Welcome to Naptime Sports Talk Podcast. We are two dads talking sports during nap times. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode. Welcome back to Naptime Sports Talk Podcast. On episode three, we will go over current news about the Minnesota Wild, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Minnesota Twins. We will then discuss the Mike Zimmer hiring as a defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. We will then get into the NFL honors and Zach's favorite part of this show, the Super Bowl. We will then finish up the episode with going over our three favorite Vikings and Raiders players of all time. Zach will discuss the Raiders and Riley will discuss the Vikings. We hope you, jo- we hope you enjoy the show. Thanks everyone for tuning in to our third episode. We're, uh, we're glad you guys stopped in and, and are listening. But uh, first topic here, we're going to talk, talk about a little Minnesota recap. So kicking it off, Riley, I know you're a big Minnesota sports fan um, all around the board. So let's hear about the uh, Minnesota Wild. Yeah, so this past Friday, the Wild celebrated the 1,000th game milestone for Marc-Andre Fleury. It wasn't actually his 1,000th game during that game. However, they were just going back to celebrate as the th- the, that milestone. So to put that in a little perspective, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury joins three other goalies to ever accomplish that mark. Those include Martin Broder, Robert Luongo, and Patrick Waugh. And, you know, all those goalies have really um, – I've been able to watch them growing up. So all those three goalies are legends, and Marc-Andre Fleury is definitely a legend in himself. You know, more known for those two cup wins with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then in the um, when he helped lead Vegas on that incredible run in year one of their franchise. So he's definitely a Hall of Fame goalie. And they're, the Wild were able to win that game 3-2 to two versus the Pittsburgh Penguins. Nice. And Marc-Andre Fleury made some very nice saves down the stretch. Nice. Like, That's such a crazy milestone. It really is, man. Like... A thousand games as a goalie too, so these guys aren't playing at eighty-two games a season. Exactly. So, you know, so yeah, we'll just see what happens with the Wild here going forward. Right now, they're sitting uh, twenty-three, twenty-three and five with fifty-one points. Okay. They're sixth in the Western Conference Wild Card race, so they have a little um, room to make up there. But, and you know, it's just been a up and down season. They fired their coach, Dean Evanson, early. Early on in the year, probably in November, then they hired giant John Hines. Um, when he came in, they went on a little run, were able to kick it up a little bit. Then they had some injuries, and you know their depth has really kind of shown. Um, when key guys got injured, they kind of struggled the the fellows' roles. So, sure. um, a big part of that has to do with too is you know we had those buyouts with Parisian Suter. Yeah. Um, against the cap is fourteen point seven five, you know, about seven five um million dollars. Yeah, it's tough if you round it up for the next two seasons too. So that really kind of hinders that depth that we can add, you know. And in the NHL, there's not a it's not a huge cap number like some of these leagues like the NBA yep. and the NFL. So just put that in perspective too. It's only the cap's only eighty three point five million dollars for their whole roster sure sure yep um so you know you do the math that's about 18 percent of the salary you know our salary cap is being used up in those two guys yeah exactly that's tough that's really tough it is tough you know i support the buyouts for them that just had to be done at that point um 
and I look forward to the future. We have some really nice, nice depth or some nice prospects. Um, two guys right now that are playing up: uh, Brock Faber, defenseman, and Marco Rossi. He's all he's a forward center. Um, you know, so they're showing what they can do, and I'm excited to see them grow. And we just have, you know, one thing about Billy G and um, I forget the name of the the one of the head scouts, but they've really done a nice job of drafting over the past three, four seasons. You know, they drafted a guy like Jasper Wallstead in round one who kind of slid in that round, picked him up in 2021. And then in 2022, they got Daniil Yurov. He's a prospect out of Russia. Uh, he was, you know, that was in 2022. In that same draft, they also drafted Liam Olgren, who's a good prospect out of prospect out of Sweden. So, and then also in the second round and later other rounds, they found guys. So there's Marat Kustovin. He's a guy from Russia too. They found him in the second round in 2020. He could probably come in, play that center role, maybe play a top six someday. So okay. they have a lot of guys coming. We just got to be patient and uh, see how the rest of the season goes. Nice, nice. That's awesome. So hopefully a uh, great future hit. Yeah, for sure. I agree. So Zach, you know, um, I'm more of a hockey guy. I do like the Wolves. I follow them. But I know you're more in tune than I am. What are you noticing with the Timberwolves this year, this season? So what a great year to be a Timberwolves fan. I mean, the uh, All-Star break is uh, this upcoming weekend, and the Timberwolves are the number one seed in the West. They are 36-16. and 16. So great, great year to be a Timberwolves fan. Um, they've, they've stayed healthy this year, which is massive. You know, the West is pretty stacked with a lot of young teams like the Thunder. Um, but but what's nice is, like I said, the the health of the team. You know, Ant's been healthy for the most part, Towns and Rudy too. Um, but this season, Ant is averaging 26-5-5. Five and five. He's still only 22 years old, so that's huge. Carl Anthony Towns is averaging 22-8-3, uh, shooting 44% from three. So, you know, he's, he's having a, a better year than he's had uh, – and I would say in the last two seasons. And and Rudy is looking like the defensive player of the year again. He's already won it three times. But he he's averaging 14, 12, and uh, two blocks a game. So right now the Wolves have the number one defense in the league, and that's obviously the main reason why they're the number one seed in the West. I mean, that goes a long way, ways, especially in the playoffs. I mean, having the number one defense is huge. Um, the thing that kind of stinks a little bit for the Wolves is their bottom bottom half for offense. Um, I think they're 22nd out of 30 teams for total offense. With uh, okay. I think they're averaging like 113 or 114 points per game. So they went at the trade deadline and they got they went out and got a, a guy named Monty Morris. Uh, they got him from the Clippers. They ended up trading uh, Shake Milton in the second rounder, which I thought was a, a good good trade for him. You know they're kind of looking for the uh, a backup point guard to play behind Mike Conley, and uh, he's exactly what they need. They need more scoring off the bench. Um, he'll come in and and, and swag some threes. He's a thirty nine percent group of thirty nine percent group point shooter, so that'll be huge. Okay. And then today there was rumors that they're gonna go out and uh, possibly sign uh, Marcus Morris. Which is which would be a nice body mm-hmm. off the bench, uh, good score can grab some boards. So they're definitely working on their bench a little bit, which is nice. So going into the uh, the All Star break that's uh, come, like I said, happening this weekend, uh, the Timberwolves in a really really good spot. 
they haven't won a playoff yeah. series. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, and their head coach, isn't he the the head coach for the Western for the or West. the, one of the All-Star teams yep. for the West? For the West, yeah, Chris awesome. Finch. So, okay. Yeah, so so that's going to be really cool to see. Um, Ant and Towns were uh, both All-Stars this year, so that was really cool. And yeah. uh, Man, Anthony Edwards is just Just a monster, amazing. dude. Just an absolute monster all the way around the board. He's not just yeah. an offensive guy. He can play really good defense, too. And he's just a dog. He's exactly what you look for when you draft a young young superstar. Yeah, you can tell he's definitely got that work ethic. Yep, for sure. And he just you can tell he loves that game. He just wants to win. You know, he just wants to win. So it's exciting to have a prop have a guy like that on our team going forward. And I know they got him signed uh this past off season. I'm not sure for how many years, but yep, yep. he'll be definitely, you know, a guy to keep continue to build around and hopefully they can continue to do that. Is Towns, how long is he under contract still for the Wolves? Do you know off the top of your head? So I think, because he signed a, a Supermax, but if I had to guess, like, especially, say, they obviously they're going to make the playoffs. So they haven't won a playoff yep. series since 2004, so it's been a long time. I would be shocked yeah. this year if they didn't win. A, I, I got a feeling that they're going to win a playoff series this year, but just say that they didn't. Mm-hmm. I, I just have yep. a feeling that uh, Tim Conley, the, uh, the GM, would find try to find a trade partner for him and and because there's there's been in years past Towns just hasn't really showed up in the playoffs and then yeah. last year he was hurt too so well we'll, we'll see and what, they could just have, go ahead they could have Nas Reed come in there couldn't they exactly. and start in yep. a power forward position didn't we just kind of give him a little extension this offseason too yep yep they they extended him and he's such a good player off the bench like when Towns misses a game or or he's hurt I mean you just slide Nas right in and I love Nasri. He's another guy that can yeah, go there and swag the three too. Yeah, that's that's the thing that you know um, surprises me with him that he he just he's good from that three point line and he's an exciting player to watch. Every time I watch him, there's or every time I watch a game, there's just a Nasri highlight that I'm like, wow, yeah, this guy's unreal. Yep. you know, and he's undrafted too, which is just is just crazy. So yeah, exactly. It's so nice having a guy like him off the bench. And I think Nazarene is still 24 years old or something, so he's he's super young. So the Timberwolves have a nice young team. They really do. Um, the... Yeah. So I'm looking it up right now for um, Towns. Yeah. And I don't know if – gosh. It says current contract, and it says ends in 2023-2024. But I'm not 100% if that's correct or not. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't think that he's a free agent after this year. I really don't. Yeah. Okay. But well, we'll see if they end up see what they do. If um, yeah, it's, it's you know, and hopefully, hopefully this is a year they make that deep playoff run. So yeah, it looks like he's he's at least they have a player option in twenty twenty seven, twenty twenty eight for him. So we have at least through twenty twenty seven for sure. Okay, sure. Yep. Yeah. So so last year the, after the All Star break, the Timberwolves went eleven and ten. So hopefully this year they keep that hot streak going because I think there's three other teams that are half game back from that number one seed in the West. So the Timberwolves got to keep okay. the gas pedal down. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what the second half brings for the Timberwolves. But, I mean, that first half going into the All-Star break, number one seed at 36 and, and 16 is super impressive, especially with, yeah, uh, you know, how bad the Timberwolves have been for the last, you know, two decades pretty much. Oh, for sure, man. And. You know, I remember when I was a kid, Garnett was very popular. Yep. Uh, that was probably one of the last times they've had 
this great of a team, I would say, is yeah. still early 2000s because it was a long time to build this roster. And obviously last year we had a pretty solid um, – we made the made the playoffs but lost in that first round versus Memphis, right? Yeah. Yep. That last – yeah. So, um, yeah, hopefully they make a deep run. They're definitely one of the more enticing teams right now in Minnesota, and they're exciting to watch, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. This is – in my opinion, this is probably the second best team that uh... – um the wolves have ever had i mean obviously 04 when they had kg uh kg won mvp that year i'm pretty sure and uh they lost to the in the western conference finals against the colby and shack so if they didn't run into colby and shack in the western conference finals you know they'd probably go out and win their first championship so hopefully uh the timberwolves first championship isn't too far away nice young team as long as they got ant and can keep him happy and keep him around i mean you know that team should be at least uh in contention for for years to come yeah hopefully uh hopefully anthony edwards will be a a lifelong timberwolf um player so i definitely hope hope to see that that's for sure yeah exactly for sure but uh let's let's swing it over to the twins uh spring training uh starts here in about a week i think so so what are you hearing on uh on the twin side yeah, so, you know, you just kind of touch base on that spring training is going to start here soon. Pitchers and catchers actually report here on the 14th of February on Valentine's Day. And then uh, the full team needs to report by February 18th, so that'll be this coming Sunday. So, yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited for the season, man. Uh, obviously, leaving off of last year, we finally broke that, broke, got over that hump and yeah. won a playoff yep. game and won that playoff series versus Toronto. And then... uh had some exciting games over Houston, but man, I was just excited to see the Twins have a little success, and I'm hoping that this year we can even go further, um, put them, put another great season together, and make another little another run here in the playoffs. Uh, you know, just some guys that I'm excited to watch this season. I'm excited to watch Royce Lewis. I hope hopefully he can put together a healthy season. Yes, for sure. Um, missed some time last year, which was which was a bummer. And then uh, see if Edward Julian can continue to swing the hot bat last year. You know, he uh, came in and just surprised everyone. Obviously had that amazing run in the um, baseball world classic, right? Yeah. Or what's the, what was, is that what it's called yep. when all the teams played? Yep. D- yeah, WBC. yeah, all the different countries. Yep. Okay, yep, yep. So, yeah, he had that, you know, kind of heard of, him, heard of him for the first time during that. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, they have a lot of good uh, depth in the outfield, I'd say. You know, Kepler's back. They have that Walner that's coming back. You know, he was an exciting prospect last year. Came up and played just meaningful games with us and swung a hot bat. And then just my biggest thing is just seeing what they can do uh, with with Buxton, see if he can get back into center field. He had that knee surgery this offseason, and I know they're going to be trying. So uh, I just hope that Buxton can put a healthy season together because, man, he's been just – injury prone year after year yep. and he's one of my favorite players to watch and he's a very exciting center fielder and one of the best defensive players i think in the game yeah it's, it was pretty crazy that last year they kind of moved him to dh to try to keep him you know just just trying to keep him healthy and he still got hurt last year yeah for sure and i was looking at i saw something on mlb network the other night and the most games buxton's ever played in um you know, a hunt I think was 140, and that was back in 2017. Oh, it's been that long already, huh? Yeah. So you know, the last 
Since 2018 and 20 to 2023, the highest number of games he played was 92 games. So definitely, uh, it's just got to uh, stay healthy. Has to. Yeah, he's got to stay healthy. That's for sure. Yeah. So, but yeah, another big news just this off season with the Twins. Obviously, Joe Maurer elected the Hall of Fame. Awesome. Thought that was very deserving. Yep. One of the best catchers in his time. Uh, you know, just a pure swing, and then you know, just being a Minnesota kid too, watching him. You know, get elected into the Hall of Fame was just very special. I remember going back and, you know, having a lot of great Joe Maurer memories. For um, sure. And, man, if he wasn't injured, I think he could even produce more and more. But, man, he was he was such a joy to watch. Yeah, he really was. Probably one of the better, I mean, obviously one of the better uh, hitting catchers of all time. Oh, yeah, I agree for sure. I think he was, like... T- top three all time that was a huge reason why he got in yeah it's so cool that he was a first ballot for sure for sure yeah and then i guess the the one thing that about the twins that's kind of a little annoying this year just the tv coverage so yeah, Bally, Bally just announced the other day that they're coming back and they're gonna be covering the twins um unfortunately you can't watch the twins through the Bally sports plus subscription so you're gonna need to have cable tv um, or another streaming option that allows or has Bally on their platform. So being a YouTube TV guy myself, I'm not going to be able to tune into the Twins as much, but I'm going to have to for sure find a way. So I know I'm not the only one that will be in that ballpark, yep. and I'm just hoping that you know here in the future they can figure out something so the game is in there and the team is more marketable and uh, they're able to get more viewers. So Yeah, for sure. I mean, Bally's has been an absolute disaster since since they t- you know taken over. Um, I know last year, talking on, on the Padres here, the uh, MLB actually had to step in because uh, Bally's wasn't making their payments to the Padres. So they opted out of their contract, and the MLB just started taking over and paying and giving some money to the Padres to broadcast their games just on the MLB TV app. So Bally's has been yeah. a disaster, but from everything that I'm seeing, it sounds like uh, that this will be the last year that MLB has to deal with Bally's all around. So that'll be huge for, for baseball fans, and it won't be such a headache trying to watch games. Yeah, they definitely need to figure something out because, you know, baseball, in my opinion, is such a great game. It is. And I love it. I think a lot of people, you know, got that that postseason energy this season. You know, I've had a, a friend of mine, he's, Maybe he wasn't the biggest baseball fan mm-hmm. at the time, but he went to uh, the playoff game versus Houston there, and he just said it was electric yeah, and how he just yeah. <laughs> was loving postseason baseball. So, you know, it's a great sport. I think it has a lot to offer. And, yeah, I'm just, I'm just pumped for the twin season. Yep. And, yeah, just hoping that they can put together another solid year. Yeah, exactly, for sure. So, overall, I mean, Minnesota sports, it's it's kind of it's looking up. You know, it's not as dark as it, as it once was. So, but kind of uh, switch it over to the back to the Vikings here. Um, their old their old head coach Mike Zimmer is now back in the NFL as the def- defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. What are your thoughts on that? Man, I am uh, I'm happy for Zim. You know, he's had Me a too. tough he's had a tough few years since he's been let go from the Vikes. You know, his son passed away a couple years ago. His son was. Um, on the coaching staff here in Minnesota, Adam Zimmer, yep. I think his name was. Yep. Um, you know, so I'm excited to see Zim back in the NFL. I think the Cowboys are going to benefit from him greatly. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they lost Dan Quinn, who was defense coordinator, coordinator who is now the head coach for the Washington Commanders. 
But I think, you know, Zim goes in there and they don't miss a beat. I and totally agree with you. They have a great, they have a lot of personnel. You know, Micah Parsons, um, Jerron Bland. Diggs. Um, Diggs, Lawrence, right? They're pretty loaded on D. And if they can make some more moves this offseason and really utilize Zimmer's strengths, I think the Cowboys are a team to watch out for next year again, man. And I think they're going to, they could put together something special. I know this year I thought they were going to go a little further in the run, a little further in the playoffs than they kind of just, man, just just Packers eight. went in there. Just, sure. Packers went in there. It was impressive. Yeah, just, just dominated. Like, yep. Just dominated them, and I was very shocked by that. So Yeah. And ex- but what's expect- your thoughts on them hiring? Yeah, no, I, I like I totally agree with you. I think they're going to – you know, Zimmer's going to come in, coach those guys up, and I don't think they miss a beat. Like you said, they got a lot of playmakers on that defense. Um, Zimmer was the head coach in Minnesota for like eight years or something like that. And majority of these, those years, he had a top 15 defense. So great defensive mind. He's, uh, honestly one of the OGs when it comes to disguising a blitz, you know, he mm-hmm. puts everyone at the line of scrimmage and it's really hard for the offense and quarterbacks to know if the, if the corner's coming, if the safety's coming, if you got multiple linebackers coming or if they're all going to drop back in coverage. So I think, uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, and I can't wait. I can't wait to see what he does with that Cowboys defense. Yeah, I'm. I'm yeah, I'm excited too, man. Like I said, and you know, I Zimmer might be one of my favorite Vikings coaches um, since I've been watching the Vikings yeah. since I was a kid, and you know, just his. I think his, you know, his overall um, philosophy of how to coach, I feel like, just got a little stale. And mm-hmm. the Vikes needed that, you know, that fresh breath or uh, breath of fresh air. Yeah. They definitely got that KLC because it's definitely showing. Um, <laughs> it's a huge difference. You know, you can just tell. And just both people in general, you know, Zimmer's more of a, you know, um, how, would, how would you say, like, how would you say, like, Zimmer is? He's more just He's more of, a, of an old school. He's more of an old school, in yes, your face. Exactly. Um, he doesn't, yep, sure. you know, KO seems, seems more like a player's coach. Like, like yeah, if you're exactly. a player, you would love to play for him. You can go and you can say whatever you want to him. You're probably more comfortable around a KOC than a Mike Zimmer. Where Mike Zimmer's probably, yep. yeah, like a little more aggressive, just kind of in your face. Yeah, but, there you go, aggressive. Yeah, yeah, but at the end of the day, I mean, I think Zimmer is a, is a top three head coach that the Vikings have ever had. In their franchise history, I mean, you probably you would put Bud Grant at one, Denny Green at two, and I would put Mike Zimmer at three. So, I mean, that's a, what kind of coach you're going to get in Dallas. So, great, great hire for, for the Cowboys. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, yeah, we'll see what happens here going forward with, with Zim and the Cowboys. And I wonder who he's going to bring in and bring in on his staff, too. That's going to be kind of cool to watch. Yeah. So, yeah, so I guess kind of just seg- or leading into our next topic here, uh, NFL honors was last week. Was the last Thursday before the uh, Super Bowl weekend? Yep. And just to kind of recap quick, um, so Lamar Jackson won his second most valuable or MVP award. Um, you know he had a really terrific year, but you know I thought, man, it's just that MVP award has definitely become more so. Quarterback, quarterback award. award yeah for sure for sure i really so, thought ex- especially this year like my thought on the mvp award um i really thought it, sh- it should have went to christian mccaffrey i thought he was the mm-hmm. best overall player i mean look at that 49ers offense he was 
you know, Purdy had a decent year, but in that system, I mean, CMC was was dominant this year. I mean, yeah, for sure. Going back and talking about Lamar Jackson, like he didn't throw for four thousand yards. He didn't even have twenty five passing touchdowns. Didn't rush for a thousand yards. He had the number one defense in the league on on his on his side. So overall, it was a pretty rough year for MVP. I mean, it, there wasn't like a a for sure lock. But I just thought CMC deserved it more than Lamar Jackson did. Yeah, I know, and I agree too. Um, you know, obviously McCaffrey, he wins the next word I'm I'm about to talk about now is the offense player of the year. So, you know, Jefferson won that year or won that award last year, mm-hmm. and I definitely think that you know McCaffrey should have been up there for the MVP conversation because just what like what he provided to the 49ers, you know. Um, he definitely was the best player on that offense. So, yeah. So, yeah, um, you just kind of talked about McCaffrey a little bit, so I'll just go into the next, to- the next award here, and that's the Defensive Player of the Year. That went to Miles Garrett, defensive end for the Cleveland Browns. Man, I was surprised when I was looking at the votes that Max Crosby did not get one first-place vote. Yeah, this this award really ticks me off. I mean... Miles Garrett, obviously a great player. Um, obviously, obviously, the Browns had a better record than the Raiders. But the fact that, you know, guys like Bland from Dallas got a first-place vote, but Max got zero is – I don't know if the voters just aren't watching Raider games or what's going on. But, I mean, I'm just going to compare some stats here. Um, so, Miles Garrett won the award, and Max Crosby got zero votes. But Max Crosby had more forced fumbles, more sacks – over 50 more tackles, more tackles for losses, more quarterback hits. I mean, I don't I don't get it. I don't get how he is clearly the better player, I mean, all around the board. And, uh, like, I understand giving it to Miles Garrett. I really do. Fine. That's, that's totally fine. But for Max to get zero first-place votes um, really ticked me off. And I just hope that going in, in the next season, obviously Max Crosby doesn't need it. But uh, hopefully it just adds a little more uh, fuel to his fire. Yeah, for sure. You know, he definitely was a snub. Um, There's no doubt about that. So you got to say one thing, you know, the Gruden and Mayock drafts weren't the best, but, man, they sure hit on him, that's for sure. Yeah, for absolutely. I mean, if you just watch the games, when it comes to to stuffing the run, uh, I don't think anyone in the entire NFL as as a defensive end you know, stops the run better than than Max Crosby does. I mean, the last two years, he's had almost 100 tackles in in each season, and that's unheard of for a defensive end. You know, that's those are safety numbers and linebacker numbers. So the fact that he had almost 100 tackles in back-to-back seasons kind of just speaks for, you know, his uh, rel- relentless effort when it comes to uh, getting to the running back and the quarterback. So I'm definitely glad he's a Raider. Yeah, he fits that mold perfectly for you guys. That's for sure. Yeah, so, Okay, yeah. so the next award was Offensive Rookie of the Year, and that went to C.J. Stroud. Obviously, C.J. Stroud um, drafted second overall to the Houston Texans, had an outstanding year, uh, statistically one of the best quarterback or rookie quarterback years of all time. Yep. You know, the one thing that surprised me, though, is, man, you look at Puka Nakua yeah. and his stats this year. And just being, you know, I think he was a, a fifth-round pick. Yeah, he surprised um, everybody. He had a, 
For sure. And he ended the season with 105 catches, 1,426 receiving yards, and six touchdowns. Yeah, that's so insane. He had one of the best rookie years, I think. I think it had even beat Jefferson's um, rookie year stats. Yeah. Yeah, the thing with uh, C.J. Stroud is uh, he led the league in TD to interception ratio. So he was just unbelievable, man. And going into that season, you know, if you would have told me that, you know, Damian Pierce isn't going to be a big factor for him and, you know, like who's – before the season started, you're not really talking about the receivers. Obviously now you're you're bringing up guys like Nico Collins and, and Dallas Schultz and stuff. But all I know is C.J. Stroud had to leave that award ceremony with something. I don't know what it was, offensive mm-hmm. rookie of the year, offensive whatever. He had to he had to leave that award ceremony with at least some kind of award because he was the best rookie quarterback that I've ever seen. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. He uh he was definitely deserving of it for yep. sure. Yep. And you know, there's no doubt about that how he took you know, with the help of obviously other guys on their team and the head coach D'Amico, it's a total turnaround for the Houston Texans this year. Yeah, what a great and year. For sure. And, you know, those Carolina Panther fans, man, they have to be pretty they upset right now. They got sick to their stomach, man. They, you know, obviously it's the first year of Bryce Young. You know, we got to give him a little time. But, man, Stroud, he just looks like he's going to be just a superstar quarterback for years and years to come. Yep. And just the fact that the Panthers had that tough year, they traded up to get Bryce Young, and now – you know, the first overall pick, which what, which is their pick, belongs to the Chicago Bears in that from that trade. So yeah, that just has to leave a bad taste, um, in the mouth of, or in the mouth of Carolina Panthers fans. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. That's that might go down as one of the worst trades in in NFL history. I mean, right now it's looking like the Bears traded Caleb or um. Bryce Young for it's going to be Caleb Williams. They got DJ Moore. They got they're going to get another second round pick this year. You know they had uh, they drafted Darnell Wright with another pick. So you know we we I talked about in the last podcast. Ryan Poles is is hitting grand slams. I love what he's doing, but yeah, man, that's that's one way to set your franchise back uh, a long ways is making a move like that and taking a quarterback like Bryce Young instead of a guy like C.J. Stroud. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, we'll see if Bryce Young can put together a little better year next year, especially with a new head coach down in Carolina. Yeah. But the next the next award is the Defense Rookie of the Year and went to one of my favorite players out of this past draft, and that's Will Anderson Jr. out of Alabama, and he, you know, went to the Houston Texans. He had uh, seven sacks, 29 solo tackles, and 16 assists. Um, so, yeah, he was just a solid year, mm-hmm. and – you know, looking at his stats compared to a guy like Jalen Carter, things like that, um, I thought he was definitely deserving, that's for sure. Yeah, I did too. Um, especially, like, watching the games, you can just see, like, the the pressures that he's getting, and he just looks – I mean, he already looks like their best player on defense, which is crazy as a rookie. The fact, the fact that the, the Texans got C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson in the same draft, I mean, man, what a grand slam. Right. No kidding, dude. It's just nuts. They definitely that that turnaround that they had, just it's amazing, man. It really is. Yep, yep. And it goes. It definitely helps when you when you hire a guy like D'Amico Ryan's. For sure, for sure. I know that he was one of your um, favorite head coaching candidates. 
Yeah, I was really, last year. really, really high on him. Yeah. Just a fact, you know, we got to go see him back in a couple of years back when he went to the training camp. Um, yeah, Vikings you know, training we got camp. To yeah. See the same, yeah, we got to see him in action, so that was really cool. But just one guy I want to bring up that I was just kind of surprising to me, though, that, you know, it's a Viking, Viking rookie this year, and he just wasn't even brought up in that defensive rookie of the year um, topic at all. And that's Ivan Pace Jr., man. He had 102 total tackles. 61 solo, 39 assists, two and a half sacks, two tackles for loss, two passes defended, one interception, one forced fumble, and one fumble recovery. And he wasn't even considered at all for the defensive rookie of the year. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, he obviously had a crazy year. There was a lot of hype, so obviously he was an undrafted guy. And even when the Vikings signed him, everyone couldn't believe that he didn't get drafted. And then he goes to training camp and he looks the part. You know, and then he's a starting linebacker. What, week one, right? He was their starting middle linebacker. Yeah, I think I think he was for sure, yep. Yeah, so the fact that he just came in and dominated and took over like that as an undrafted guy and then putting stats out like that, I'm, I'm really surprised too. Yeah, so, yeah, we'll see, um, you know, if he can put together another solid year. But, yeah, I like Ivan Pace a lot going forward for the Vikes. Oh, yeah. We had to move on for comeback player of the year was Joe Flacco. Obviously had that amazing second half there coming in off the couch to go join the Cleveland Browns, help lead them to the playoffs. But, man, it's kind of hard. This, You know, I understand that Joe Flacco had that amazing year and a good comeback story. But, you know, I was surprised that DeMar Hamlin didn't win that award. Yeah, I thought they were going to give it to DeMar, too, actually, when they announced that. I was watching that live, and I was really surprised that he didn't get it too. Um, cool for cool for uh, Joe Flacco. I don't think anyone one was expecting him to come in and and play like he did. He d- did throw a lot of interceptions, but he also threw a lot of touchdowns too. So he went in there, surprised everybody, and it was cool to see. It was a cool little story at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, the next award was the coach of the year, and that went to Cleveland. Um, Cleveland's head coach, old Vikings offense coordinator, and longtime Viking. Um, assistant coach, or not assistant coach, but just coach on the staff, Kevin Stefanski. You know, so, you know, I would have personally voted for D'Amico Ryan yes, just with that too. turnaround that they had me for the too. Texans. But I understand, you know, Stefanski, how, you know, he kind of led the Browns in that tough division. Um, so I get it. And if you actually go look at the votes, they each received 165 votes. Mm-hmm. Stefanski won by one first place vote. So that's why he ended up winning it. So it was very close. Yeah, that that was a that was a real shocker to me. I didn't think I saw that he was a candidate, but I didn't think like anything of it really. I thought it was gonna come down to Dan Campbell or D'Amico Ryan's. And yeah, so when they announced sure. hit when they announced Stefanski as the the winner, I was just shocked. I mean, you know, just comp- comparing him a little bit with D'Amico, you know, D'Amico took over the the second worst team in the league. He had yep. a rookie quarterback. And he yep. went out there and won that division. And not only that, the Browns played the Texans in the playoffs. And look yeah. what happened. I mean, the Texans blew them out of the water. They beat them, what, yeah. 45 to 14 or something? So, I mean, right yeah, there, did, if, if there's a tiebreaker, I mean, D'Amico dominated him in the playoffs. So, mm-hmm. I, that was just really surprising to me. I thought Dan Campbell or D'Amico for sure. Um, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of Stefanski getting that, getting that award. Yeah, for sure. And... Uh, yeah, Dan Campbell too. Like, he had an incredible, 
incredible season as well. So. Oh, yeah, he was definitely deserving of it. For sure. Yeah, so then the last kind of award, her last two awards, um, Jim Schwartz won the assistant coach of the year, and then the Walter Payne Man of the Year, that went to Cameron Hayward. I believe he's for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yep, yep, Steelers. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so I don't know too much about, you know, his story or nothing like that, but. Yeah, um, yeah, it's really usually hard. Give those, yeah. Usually they give that award to those guys that are pretty deserving, do a lot of good things in the community, so. Yeah, and Cam Hayward seems like a, he's been on the Steelers for a while now, and he just seems like a really cool dude, so it's, I'm pretty, I was pretty excited that he won it. That was cool. All right, Dak, well, we have uh, reached this point of the show where we're going to talk about your favorite topic the Super Bowl podcast in this episode. And, man, you know, I'm just going to say this right now. I just hope that you can keep this clean so I don't have to go on here and spend a couple <laughs> hours of editing and bleeping you out. So No, no, <laughs> I'll keep it clean. But uh, I'm just going to start off by saying Kyle Shanahan, man, he just can't get it done. He can't get it done. Man. Yeah, he uh, right. obviously, when the the Falcons were up twenty eight to three or whatever it was, and he was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons, so he blew a twenty five point lead in the Super Bowl, and then mm-hmm. Super Bowl fifty four, I think it was against the Chiefs, he was up by ten, yep. couldn't get it done, and then last night he couldn't get it done again. I thought his offensive yeah. play calling was a head scratching, you know, to put it nicely. I thought his mm-hmm. best play call was that trick play that almost ended yeah. in a pick six. I mean, that play Dude, was insane. Dude, I thought that was getting picked for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, Nick Bolton was right there. Oh, he man. took the outside. If he would have jumped to the inside and looked at the pass, that's probably a pick six. Yeah. So I don't know what he was doing. I thought the 49ers defense played a, a great game. Mm-hmm. I, uh, even in the second half, you know, Kelsey got open a little more. But I, I think, you know, obviously losing a guy like Drake Greenlaw, is, that's such a huge loss for oh, those guys. What a freak injury, too, just running in off the sideline and just, you know, now the news is out that he tore his Achilles. Achilles, yep. And, he tore it, you know? So, yeah, and yeah. I don't know if, if you noticed it right away, but, dude, he was so fired up. Like, he made a tackle on that yeah. first drive, and he, like, pushed off. Uh, I don't remember who he tackled, but he kind of pushed off him and was going nuts and celebrating. And then when he tried, mm-hmm. when he was ran on the field where he tore his Achilles, man, he was – he was so hyped to get back on the field. Yeah. So that was a terrible. He was definitely a big loss in that game for them, man. He's just a very physical linebacker, and you could saw he laid the boom right away in that game too, like you t- we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, uh, and then the overtime, dude. I don't understand. Like as soon as this happened, I was like, I couldn't believe that he did it. He, so he wins the toss, but he decides to send his offense out there instead of his defense. And I was thinking, dude, that makes yeah. no sense. Why, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, maybe his captain, I don't know who called the coin toss, I didn't notice, but, like, I don't know if yeah. his, his captain. I think it's Fred Warner. Was it Fred Warner? So I don't know if Fred yeah. didn't know, like, the new playoff rules were in effect or what was going on, but either way, Shanahan yeah. beforehand needs to tell him, like, dude, no matter, if we win this toss, we're deferring. We're putting our defense out there. We're putting Mahomes on the field first yeah. because if Mahomes goes down and scores a touchdown, then we know exactly what we have to do in offense. We have to go down and score a touchdown. Yeah. You know, it's very and, true. And if you score a touchdown, obviously you got the chance to go for two and win it. But what he did yep. is he sent his offense out there first, which was a huge head scratcher. Obviously, they go down the field, mm-hmm. they drive down the field, and they settle for a field goal. Well, now Mahomes knows that if he scores a touchdown, he wins the game. So yeah. I just thought that was such a huge head scratcher. I don't know if he didn't really think about it too much, but 
the fact that he didn't send his defense out there in overtime first was an absolute yeah. mind. I couldn't believe it, dude. I literally couldn't believe it. Yeah, you know, and the way his defense played the majority of the game, but maybe, you know, one thing I heard too is they just got off the field on that long drive at the end of the game. Maybe it was to give them a little more rest. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I could see that. They still, uh, I think they still kneel down at the end of the game. So I would think that their defense would be rested enough, but I don't know. I don't know what went through his mind, but the, I just could not believe that. I thought that was a no-brainer. Yeah, definitely. Just the fact that, you know, they started off the first quarter. They were just playing their they're playing their game. They're running the ball effectively, you know, getting those quick passes out to Debo, getting yep. him, you know, getting the ball in his hands. <clears throat> Defensively, they're getting after Mahomes, putting a lot of pressure on him, having him, you know, uh, make kind of, you know, some tough – or not some tough throws, but um, just getting pressure on him, making him kind of uncomfortable in the pocket. Yeah, you know, they did their a great job in that. For sure, they yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure, they were dominating and dominating the Chiefs in that whole first half. Really, yeah, for sure. So, and then yeah, I just don't understand why they they went away from they the run game there, dude. And I don't know, like going back and just talking about this entire playoffs, like I don't know if teams go in there and they're just scared of Mahomes and get away from their game plan or what ha what what happens. I'm not 100 percent sure, but like. Going back to the Raiders and Chiefs game, Christmas Day, okay? We go into Kansas City, and we beat them. We bully the bullies. And I thought that AP laid out the perfect blueprint on a silver platter mm -hmm. to the rest of the coaches in the playoffs. Here you go. This is how you beat the Chiefs. And not one yeah. coach followed that game plan. So when we beat the Chiefs Christmas Day, AOC didn't complete a pass after the first quarter. So we went Jeez. three quarters without completing a pass. What we did... Yeah. Is we dominated on defense, and the way we dominated on the way we dominated on defense was we played man coverage on the outside. Kansas City has below average receivers, in my opinion. The only guy you really have to you know keep track of is Kelsey. So what do the Raiders yeah. do? It was either double teaming, and if you didn't double team them, you're chipping them at the line, you're getting them frustrated, and then you're covering them with the safety, not a linebacker, a safety. Okay, mm -hmm. so that I mean. In that uh, game against the Raiders, uh, Mahomes threw the ball, I think it was like 49 or 50 times, okay? And Travis Kelsey had five catches for 44 yards. So Travis Kelsey was a non-factor even though Mahomes threw the ball 50 times. And then mm -hmm. on offense, you just run the ball. You just pound the ball down their throat, and you tire them out, and you just bully them. That's what you have to do. There was a lot of plays where it was third and five, third and six. And instead of passing the ball, the Raiders would run it. And if they got to fourth yeah. and two or fourth and run, you run it again. And, you, and then you control the clock that way. You keep Mahomes off the field. So I thought that that, mm -hmm. that blueprint, that game plan was there for coaches to, to copy going into the playoffs. But you look at the playoffs. They played the Dolphins that first round, okay? Yeah. For, I think Tua threw the ball 40 times. That If you're going to throw the ball 40 times, you got no chance against Mahomes. I'm sorry you don't. That game plan stunk. They got blown out. Bye-bye, bye-bye, Dolphins. The next game, yeah, fair. they play the Bills. Now, I don't understand why every time the Bills play the Chiefs, they want Josh Allen to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Mahomes. They get into this weird thing that they want Josh Allen to outperform Mahomes, and it never works. It hasn't worked for them yeah. in the playoffs. Every time they play him in the playoffs, the freaking Chiefs spank them. They beat them. That's just the way it is. So I think uh, 
Josh Allen in that game against the Chiefs threw the ball 38 times. That's 38 times ain't going to work against the Chiefs. And then you go to the uh, who did the AFC Championship? They play the Ravens. Ravens. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So they play the Ravens, and now the Ravens the entire season had that same exact game plan that the Raiders had against the Chiefs. You play great defense and you run the ball. Well, all of a sudden, when they get into uh, into the game with the Chiefs, Lamar Jackson's throwing like crazy. The Dolphins, or the not the Dolphins, the uh, the Ravens ended up holding them to I think 17 points for the entire game. But Lamar Jackson threw the ball 40 times. You can't throw the yeah. ball 40 times against Mahomes. You just can't do it. And then moving on to the Super Bowl, it was the same thing. I think Purdy threw the ball 38 times. When you got the best running back in the entire NFL, you had obviously McCaffrey. In my opinion, should have been MVP. There's no reason McCaffrey doesn't get at least say 35 touches. And he didn't. So, I mean, I just you feel like... You don't go away versus... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that. I just feel like the the teams leading up and, and into the playoffs just kind of went away from the blueprint that, you know, we kind of proved that could at least slow the Chiefs down a little bit. And they just totally wanted to pass, pass with the Chiefs, and it, it just didn't work. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, The Raiders did lay that blueprint, and... You know, you just don't go away from your best players in those big-time games. You keep doing what gets you there. And, yeah, exactly. You know, the fact that they, you know, they obviously drove down the field right away and then McCaffrey fumbled the ball. Um, and then, you know, they went in and their defense came in and got that, I think it was 3 out first drive for the Chiefs, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yep. But <clears throat> you just know, like, with Patrick Mahomes, you just can't, you just can't give them a glimpse of hope, man, because no, you can't. they were all playing them that whole first half, and the the 49ers offense went pretty stagnant there through the mid parts of the game, um, just not moving the ball. They had their chances, and then late in the third quarter when they, you know, the, they had that muff punt where the guy hit the 49ers guy in the foot, and then yep. the returner tried to go pick, pick it up and just couldn't get a hold on it. You know, yep. and then the Chiefs went in and scored that touchdown. I was like, oh, man, here we go. Like, this is classic. These teams, these dynasty teams, you know, def- Chiefs are definitely a dynasty. They won three yeah. Yeah. in the last five years, you know. Absolutely. And these teams, they just find ways to win, and they get those bounces, and they just, I don't know, man. They just don't, they just know how to win, and they always just find a way, like, it's just it's just crazy. So every year, you know, unfortunately, I think with Hongus Patrick Mahomes as that quarterback for the Chiefs, they're gonna have a shot at it every single season. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know if a lot of people know this, but but Patrick Mahomes has been in the AFC Championship game every year of his career, besides yeah. his rookie season. But he wasn't a starting quarterback yep. that rookie year. So every year that Mahomes has been a starting quarterback in the NFL, he's made it to the AFC Championship. That's absolutely yeah, that's insane, crazy. but it's the way that these teams play the Chiefs in the playoffs. I mean, you just have to – you got to play old-school football against the Chiefs to even have a chance. If you're going to go out there and, and plan on passing the ball around the field, it's – I mean, you're not going to have enough time of possession. Mahomes is going to be on the field way too much, and you got no chance. You got no chance. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, just looking at his career accolades, um, says Mahomes, three-time Super Bowl champion. Mm-hmm. Three-time Super Bowl MVP. Yep. Two-time regular season MVP. Mm-hmm. 
15 and three playoff record, and the first quarterback with three 10 point or 10 point plus comeback wins in Super Bowl history. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's he could retire tomorrow. He could come out and say, you know what, I'm gonna hang out with my kids, hang out with my wife. I'm done with football, and he'd be a first ballot Hall of Famer all day long. Yeah, for sure. May play a little bit of golf. I know he's a pretty big golfer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I wish he would do that. To be honest, you know, it I just, <laughs> it stays for the Raiders being in that division, <laughs> man, because having to play that guy twice a year is is an absolute nightmare. And and the thing about it is, like, obviously Tom Brady had three Super Bowls when he was 28, but the way I kind of look at it, I mean, even if you go back, I never thought that Tom Brady was like, oh, my God, he's by far the best quarterback in the league. Even when he was winning the Super Bowls, I always thought, like, well, you got guys like Drew Brees. You got guys like Brett Favre. You got guys like Peyton Manning, you know, mm-hmm. where in today's NFL, I mean, who, in your opinion, is the second best quarterback in the NFL right now? Mm, man. It's tough. That is tough. Yeah. Tough. You know, if is I it... had to say it right Yep, go ahead. No, go ahead. I would probably no, no. I'll probably say, man. I'd probably have to say, uh, Joe Burrow. Yeah. See, that's probably who I would pick too. I, I mean, you can also throw on like guy like like Lamar Jackson or like a Josh Allen yeah. or stuff. But in yeah. my opinion, like Mahomes is so far ahead of those guys. Like oh, yeah. I think that the the talent level and the difference, especially when it comes to big games. I mean, Mahomes is so far ahead of ahead of Burrow. And and Josh Allen and all those guys that it's having a guy like Patrick Mahomes on your team right now in the NFL is such an advantage, dude. Like you're gonna be in it every single year. I don't care who your receivers are. I don't care who's on your defense. I don't care who your running back is. You got a chance because you have Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, for sure. And you know, you know, obviously as a Viking fan, we saw it for a lot of years with Aaron Rodgers, and they had had a lot of, you know, they haven't had the, they didn't have the success like Mahomes did making it to the Super Bowl. But yeah, every yep. year they were competitive. You know, yeah. as long as you have that guy, you're gonna be competitive every single season. Every single year, yeah, it's so true. It's frustrating, so, but it's true. I mean, as long as they got Kelsey, I mean, all they really need is the three guys. You got you got Kelsey, Mahomes, and if Andy Reid's your head coach, I mean, you already have mm-hmm. the winning formula. I mean, that's that's all you really need. For sure. You know, what did you uh, – I thought the turning point of that game, though, was definitely that muff punt. Yep, for sure. Absolutely. You know. Because they went and scored the touchdown we, the next play. It's all yep. momentum out the window for San Fran. And I know a lot of people also, like, they know the overtime rule. And I was sitting there, too, for a little bit. I was, like, thinking ahead, what happens if the clock runs out here? Because it was, like, four minutes left, and they're still driving down the field. I was, like, do they just continue or what? Mm-hmm. And then – you know, the, the clock is still running towards 12 seconds, and they finally get it off, and then they score the touchdown. Later, I found out if they would have went to zero, they would just – it's like the first quarter of over, overtime, so they would just, just keep go scoring. on. Yep. So I don't even understand, like, why the heck they have a clock, but then someone made a point of, you know, well, if it's an outdoor game and they got to change the side of sides of the fields for kicking purposes, maybe yeah. that's why, but they haven't – Yeah, that makes sense. Definitive answer at all, but – Definitely makes sense, though, for sure. I definitely do like the new overtime rule, though. I know, do too. I love it. It's another perfect. team of possession, you know. Yeah, so, I think it's the only fair way. I really do. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and it makes the game more exciting. I thought, you know, the the fourth quarter and on of that game was probably, you know, obviously the most exciting part of the game. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, the first probably three and a half quarters was actually 
really sloppy. Like I couldn't believe that that yeah. we were watching the Super Bowl game. That didn't look like the two best teams in the league. But uh, yep. as soon as that, you know, the fourth quarter hit, I mean, it was those guys were were definitely playing for sure. Yeah, you know, it's just I was sitting there, I was like, man, who would ever thought that Juwan Jennings would be the only guy to throw a touchdown pass so far <laughs> in this game after the first half? Dude, I know that's the thing. It's God, you gotta have such a perfect system and it's such a good defense and such a good running game to win a Super Bowl with a guy like Brock Purdy, in my opinion. I mean, you can yeah. obviously like Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl and stuff like that, but you just have to have the absolute perfect system. In reality, the yep. 49ers, you know, if they would have scored on some of those turnovers that they didn't on, and obviously mm-hmm. that extra point that was blocked, if they would have hit that, that would have probably, you know, that would have been game. So they yeah, should have won the Super Bowl in reality. But at the end of the day, if you give Mahomes even a little glimpse of hope, he's gonna go down and he's gonna he's gonna make it happen. So, yeah, exactly. You know, I thought I I did think that Brock Purdy, I was pretty impressed actually the way he played. He seemed like he wasn't the stage wasn't too big for him, and he definitely gave them an opportunity to win that game. Yeah, he he did make some nice throws. He really did. So. Well, what did you think of the the halftime show? For me, I thought it was great. You know, it brought me back to my middle school, um, high school years with Usher, seeing Ludacris come out, seeing little John come out. Obviously, he's from Las Vegas making that appearance. You know, Alicia Keys, too, is cool to see. And, you know, what did you, what was your thought of the halftime show? Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, it brings you right back to pretty much middle school, you know. It, uh, yeah. Going into it, I just thought it was only going to be Alicia Keys that was showing up. I didn't see anything else of like Little John or uh, mm-hmm. or Ludacris or those guys showing up. So it's when you have surprise guests like that. I mean, maybe other people do that, but I didn't. So like when you get surprised, yeah, I didn't and you see him, yeah, you're seeing Luda up there and Little. I thought it was a good, it was good, good entertainment. So I, I'm obviously sure. I've seen a lot worse. We'll just put it that way. Yeah, exactly. It was a. Uh... It was one of the better halftime shows I've seen in a while. That year they had, like, The weekend and stuff like that. I was like, oh, I didn't understand that one. But, I didn't understand um, that either, yeah. You know, yeah, I, I, think, I understand I think a lot of people, like, they want to see some rock and roll involved there too, so maybe someday we'll see a little little rock and roll. But I don't know. It seems like they try to, they try to kind of meet the audience a little more of the average listeners probably not listen to rock and roll. You yeah. know, more people aren't uh, the R&B and – hip-hop or the rap, um, maybe country. You know, they haven't had a country singer on there in a long time. Who knows, maybe Taylor Swift will will be the halftime show next year. Dude, I could totally see that, too. I mean, talk about just the perfect. They've been all, you know, all obsessed with Taylor Swift pretty much all year, so having her do the t- uh, halftime show next year, it totally makes sense. Hopefully the Chiefs are yeah. in it, but I wouldn't mind I if Taylor's in it. <laughs> Hopefully it's a Viking and Raiders Super Bowl. Dude. Man, I love that. <laughs> God, I love that so much. Yeah, that would be um that would be a very interesting game. I don't know. I probably wouldn't we probably wouldn't do a podcast episode after that one, you know, depending <laughs> on the results. So <laughs> Yeah, probably not. If yeah, if the Raiders lost to the Vikings in the Super Bowl, dude, that might be it for me. Oh I know gosh, I- man. We're and where we live too, if the Vikings won a Super Bowl, I'd probably be on my backyard doing some snow angels. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, that'd be so cool. I mean, the Raiders did play the the Vikings in, in the Super Bowl in what the seventies, seven seventy seven, I think. Obviously, yeah, way before, before my time, our time. But yeah, way before my our time. Uh, but... My dad and stepdad and all other family, they know the feeling of those losses, and I haven't even been able to experience a Super Bowl 
ever put the Vikings in there. So no, um, no. <laughs> I understand. I understand their pain and how, uh, you know, how they just continue to get bummed out every year. So hopefully, hopefully they'll they'll get to see that one time in their lifetime. I sure hope so, man. I really do. That's all. I, that's all I want. Just give me a Super Bowl. First sure. one Super Bowl. You know, doesn't have to be three in that next five years. Just give me one. Yeah, we don't need a dynasty here. I'm just <laughs> like I said, it's to the point. I just want to play off wins. So it's getting pretty yeah. pretty pathetic over here. Man, I want to see an NFC championship win too. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Dude, talk about a celebration, huh? Yeah. But then man, to get in that big game, that's like I said before, that's all that matters. So Yeah. Well kind of segueing into our next topic. So we're gonna kinda chat a little bit about our uh, top three favorite players. So we're not going to go back and touch on players of the past, just players that we've kind of been able to watch in our lifetime. So, you know, there's some honorable mentions, you know, guys, obviously back in the purple people eater days, uh, Alan page, Carl ever, Carl Eller, you know, the all time interceptions leader in NFL history, Paul cross. And then uh, obviously Fran Tarkenton. So we're going to kind of more focus on guys in our era. For me, it was more in the 90, late 90s, early 2000s. And then I'll move into maybe my kind of high school years, which was like 2008 into 2011, that time frame, and then move to current. How does sure, that sound? Sure. Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, my list is the same. I'm not, I don't have any, you know, Raider legends that I didn't actually watch with my own two eyes. So I got my, my three guys on this list. I got to watch them. I got to watch uh, pretty much their entire career. And, and yeah, but I'll let you go first. I want to hear uh, what you got on your list. Yeah, so my uh, my number one guy is, you know, obviously I wanted to say Randy Moss. Um, mm-hmm. And he's up there with one of my all-time favorite Vikings. But this guy, you know, I had a poster on my wall as a kid of him. And just his story, undrafted guy, you know, had the, you know, if you ever go back and watch – his football life episode, just incredible. The way he grew up into the size of the house that they had to live in. Maybe people are starting to get a hint of who I'm about to talk about. And that is John Randall. So, yep. man, he was just one of my favorite players as a kid. Obviously, he played 11 years with the Vikings, had 137.5 or 137 half uh, career sacks. Um, just an under guy who proved people wrong. And, you know, he was considered as too small for that defensive tackle position and he just went and proved everyone um wrong you know kind of and also kind of rewrote the position a little bit um you know having like a three technique guy that can pass rush i definitely think he kind of changed that defensive tackle position yeah for sure john randall is is awesome i mean you want to talk about a guy that if you ever listen to his mic'd up i mean he's just super aggressive in your face he had the face pain, loved football, yep. obviously, and, yeah, one of the better uh, pass-rushing defensive tackles of all time. Yeah, definitely, and, you know, he's still involved with the with the Vikes very heavily right now, and that's something I kind of get. I'd enjoy to see him continue to do that as well. Yeah, for next, sure. He's get, awesome. Next guy on my list is number two. Um, that is Jared Allen. Business nice. in the front, party in the back. Man, yeah, that was his awesome. slogan, and... <laughs> He was one of my all-time favorite players. Um, when I was in high school, actually, I for football, I did his little mullet for for playoffs one season. And you know, he played six seasons with us. All six years, 
that he was with us was just a pleasure to watch him. Um, you know, third all time, third on the Vikings of all time, um, sacks list at 83 and a half. And then, you know, in 2011, he was a half a sack away from breaking Michael Strahan's 22 and a half sack season record. And, you know, his ring of honor just rode in on a horse, which I thought was just amazing. He's yeah. definitely a future Hall of Fame guy. You know, he didn't make it this year, but Jared Allen was just a pleasure to watch for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, he's honestly one of my favorite Vikings, too. Um, if you look at a guy who actually just got into the Hall of Fame this year, Dwight Freeney, uh, yeah. Jared Allen, is play, he played less games than Dwight Freeney, but all across the board has better stats than, than Dwight. So, I mean, mm -hmm. it's only a matter of time before Jared Allen is, is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, for sure. You know, he ended with 136 career sack, sacks. So, I do think here eventually he's going to get in there, and he's very deserving of it. And I yeah. can't wait to hear you know, someday that Hall of Fame speech that he does. Oh, you know, it's going to be epic. And another thing about uh, Jaron Allen, man, he was so good against the run. He was another guy that almost every year had a ton of tackles, kind of like a Max Crosby. I mean, just mm -hmm. uh, absolute difference maker when it comes to pass rushing and uh, stuffing their own. Yeah, for sure. So, well, my number three guy, um, a lot of people who know me would probably know who I'm about to say. And, you know, I have his jersey – he is. He was drafted on my birthday, actually, back in 2020. That is Justin Jefferson. Yep. You know, I think he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. Um, just the way, you know, he's a route tech. He's a route technician. His a way to go up on contested catches and find a way to come down with the ball. Obviously, we saw it last year in Buffalo on that long third down. It might have even been first fourth down actually ended up being the play of the year yeah and was, he just yeah. extended his arm back and took the ball right out of the the d-backs hands you know yeah. his ability to just go up and come down with the ball is something i think he's one of the best at in the nfl and one thing i appreciate about jj is he doesn't let the ball come to him he goes and attacks that ball exactly man. And, yeah. you know he you know we need to lock him up um this offseason because if you can have a guy like that, just that elite wide receiver, I think you just you just can't let those guys walk out the door. You know, you just can't. No, you can't. You have to lock him up. I mean, he's by far the best receiver in the NFL. He uh, he missed what I think he played ten games this year, and yep. he still had a thousand yards. He's, yeah, it's unreal. He's just unbelievable, and he did it. I mean, that last game of the season. He had double-digit catches and almost 200 yards receiving. It just looked like vintage Justin Jefferson. A great way to end the year. That's going to have good momentum going into next year. If he can stay healthy, dude, like I, I'm, he's going to go down, barring injury. Obviously, he was hurt this year, still over 1,000 yards, but he didn't put up his 1,800 yards like he usually does. But barring yeah. injury, I don't know how that dude doesn't go down as the greatest of all time. He can do everything. He can run routes. He's quick, great hands. Uh, one of the best route runners in the NFL. I mean, he just he has every single trait that you want. Yeah, in a number one receiver, his career average is 15 yards per catch too, which and is insane. That's yeah. Yeah, this year he had 10 games played, um, because that injury, hamstring in injury, and then in one of the games too, we have to remember in that Raider game, he was only in there for a little while. Yeah, he got hurt and Dobbs yeah. to that ball high and kind of let left him out the dry and took that shot right in the kind of midsection there but yep. yeah yeah 68 catches this year 1074 yards and five touchdowns in 10 games so 
Yeah, if he nice. was healthy this whole year, I think he would have definitely been pushing for over 1,800 yards. Yep, yep. As long as he can stay healthy, man, it really doesn't even matter who his quarterback is. Like that, yeah, like I well, said, exactly. that, that, that last week he put up almost 200 yards receiving. He just gets open, and quarterback's best friend. And uh, obviously we'll get more. We'll talk more about this going into the offseason. But you find your franchise guy, dude. I'm telling you, a rookie quarterback coming in with Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, and Addison. I mean, dude, that is an absolute dream for a rookie quarterback. You know, yeah, we'll talk a little more about that in future podcasts coming up. But, yep. man, the more and more I'm just kind of deep, deep diving in this offseason uh, with the draft, the more and more I'm just really kind of liking J.J. McCarthy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll definitely deep dive into that. But uh, as of right now in Vegas, they have betting favorites for who's going to draft, you know, what prospect's going to go where. And as of right now, J.J. is the uh, – or the Vikings are the number one team for J.J. for uh, Vegas odds. Wow, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah, I, was, uh, no, I saw that on Twitter today, so that's kind of cool. I could totally see it. That's a great fit. Yeah, you know what I know? Over the weekend it broke that around the NFL – that the NFL scouts are a little higher and are higher on him than maybe the media scouts, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I saw uh, they were talking about Bo Nix and Penix being round two and or three guys, and uh, a lot of people are saying at the end of the day, JJ is going to be a top ten pick. So I obviously right now Vikings got pick eleven. So is he going to be there at eleven? I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, a lot of people think that he's going to go top ten now. Yeah. We'll know pretty soon in April and see how if he throws at the guest at the scouting combine coming up. Yeah, exactly. Can't wait for that. So Zach, yeah, just finishing up on my three favorite players on the Vikings. Um, what are your three three favorite players for the Raiders? All right, so my number one. Uh, this is probably a pretty obvious choice, but my number one's Charles Woodson. I mean, absolute playmaker for so long for the Raiders and the Packers um he was on the rate you know he was on the same team in uh, 05 with Moss when they came in together in the same draft in 98 but uh probably one of the most uh storied or uh just dominant football careers just all around including uh including college he was the he won the national championship in college he won the Heisman as a defense, uh, as a uh, defender, and that's only been done once by him. The Heisman's been around since I think like the 30s, like 1938 or something. So it's been around for almost 100 years, and he's the only guy to win it uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Then he goes into the NFL. He's the rookie of the year. You know, he wins a Super Bowl with the Packers, unfortunately, and not the Raiders. <laughs> and uh, first ballot Hall of Famer, he's the absolute man. But uh, my favorite uh, uh, memories of Woodson was when he came back in 2013. He came back to the Raiders. Even though the Raiders were in the dumps, we were a really, really bad team. Uh, came back and played safety for us and played safety really, really well. A multiple-time uh, pro bowler with us when he came back. Um, played three more seasons. He had 10 more interceptions for us. I just, those are such great memories. It, it stinks because we didn't win many games. I think the first year with Woodson, we won three games. The second year, I think we won four. We went four and 12. And then uh, the third year, we had Derek Carr quarterback, and I think we went seven and nine or something. And then yeah. he ended up retiring. But, but he was there when the Raiders, you know, a lot of people knew that they were coming to Vegas. 
So that was that was really cool that he went back to Oakland and uh, finished his career there. So that was really cool. Yeah, I definitely um, liked him a lot better when he was with the Raiders than the Packers, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, he won Defensive Player of the Year with uh, with the Packers in 09. So right, yeah, he was, he, he, he was dominant, man. He was dominant. Just an absolute superstar. Uh, going to the second guy on my list, uh, not many people probably uh, would think that he'd be on my list, but Michael Crabtree. Okay. One of my all-time favorite football players. Loved Michael Crabtree. Loved him in college. Loved him in the NFL, obviously. Um, in my opinion, the best college receiver of all time. His his freshman year at Texas Tech, he uh, he was just unbelievable. He had I wrote it. I wrote a stats down. He had 134 catches, almost 2,000 yards, and 22 touchdowns as a as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Just unbelievable. He's the only, uh, or he's the first ever uh, receiver to win the Blick the Cop back to back, which that award goes to the uh, the best receiver in college football. His second year was was just as good. You know, a lot of people probably think that you know Devontae Smith had because he won the Heisman as a as a as a receiver as of late. And um, comparing stats, Crabtree had uh, more receptions. This was his freshman year. He had more reception receptions, more yards than Devontae Smith did when he won the Heisman. So yeah, just an absolute dominant college receiver. And so the funny thing about this is. Going into the uh, 2009 draft, the Raiders have uh, the seventh pick in the draft. Number one need is clear cut. They need a number. They need a receiver. They have to get the receiver. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we get to pick seven. Crabtree still on the board. In my head, this is a no brainer. I'm super pumped up about it. I love Crabtree. I love my Raiders. It's just a perfect fit. Well, what they end up doing is shocking everybody, and they take Darius Hayward Bay with the seventh overall pick. He's a yeah. receiver, but not the receiver that I want. They picked him. This is uh, they obviously love speed. The Raiders love speed. You know, Darius Hayward Bay was a four-two guy, track guy. They wanted to stretch the field. I was super disappointed. So, long story short, Crabtree goes with the 49ers, Plays six seasons with uh, the Forty ers Goes to the Super Bowl. He ends up coming to the Raiders in 2015. So, at the end of the day, it all ended up working out. Crabtree played played with us for three seasons. He was a touchdown machine for us. He was uh he was on that team where Derek Carr you know got hurt at Christmas, uh, where Derek Carr was having his MVP caliber season. We ended up losing in the playoffs, but loved Crabtree. He was only a Raider for three years, but man, I really loved those three years. Um, and then after that, he uh, he kind of just fizzled out, and that was the end of Crabtree's career. But loved Michael Crabtree. Now number three on my list, I was gonna put Max Crosby. I mean, obviously he's. He's everything that you want, you know, in a Raiders player. Yeah. Got that old school mentality and stuff. But I went with a different guy. I went with Nomni Asamoah. Okay. Probably. Is he an old guard? No, so he's a, he's a corner. Corner. I don't know if I remember him. Yeah, so he was such a dominant corner in the late 2000s. Okay. He, uh, he was literally, like, shut down an entire side of the field. Yeah. It was It was nuts. So obviously, um, at least in my opinion, I think the best cornerback season that I ever saw was Darrell Revis in 2009. Uh-huh. I mean, he was going up against guys like Chad Johnson, Randy Moss, Andre Johnson, Steve Smith, and he was locking them down. Yeah. Well, in that season where Revis was the best corner that I ever saw, he was targeted 108 times. 
Well, during that same time, in a three-year span, Namni Asamoah was only targeted 98 times. Okay. So we're so we're talking about Revis, the best corner in the NFL. He was targeted 108 times in one season, and in three seasons, Namni was only targeted 98 times. Yeah. Um. In that in that 09 season, Revis gave up 40 receptions. Namni, in a three-season span, only gave up 49 catches. And a lot of people kind of forget about Namni. And then it also in that in that three year span, Namni Asamoah only gave up one touchdown in three years, so he was just a complete lockdown corner. Yeah. And another reason why I loved him is because Madden. I mean, I played a ton of Madden, and I was obviously the Raiders every time, and uh-huh. he was just a dominant, dominant corner for us. Uh, he in six straight Maddens, he was at least ninety plus overall, and in Madden ten, he was ninety nine overall as a corner. Okay. So he was he was just dominant. He ended up uh, leaving us in I think 2011. He went to the the Eagles to that dream team, and Namni Asmol was a man to man quarter. Um, I, for some reason, when the Eagles got him, they ran a lot of zone and kind of just plugged him in his own scheme. You know, told him, "Hey, go cover in the cover two, cover three. Mm-hmm. and he was terrible for the Eagles. Looked like okay. a completely different player. So. He was really only dominant for the Raiders in a handful of years, but I just remember watching him play and like, dude, they could not pat. Like people didn't even throw to his side of the field. Yeah, it was insane. Down. Almost like his just old island. Lockdown. You know, Revis was yeah. for the island, right? Rhodes, yep, yep, for sure. Xavier Rhodes for the Vikes was like that too. You know, he was pretty locked down in his prime years. Yeah, yep, yep. And another thing cool about Nomni is uh, he's a California kid. Yeah, he went to Cal and stuff, so. Okay. The fact that he got drafted first round by the Raiders in, I think, 2003 or 2004 um, was really cool that he just stayed in California. But I just really loved watching Nami Asimov play. Yeah, you know, that's uh, – I kind of forgot about him, but when you started talking about him, I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of I remember this guy now. So, Yep, yep, went to the Eagles, were number 24, and just – just wasn't the same player. I don't know what it was. And then after the Eagles, he went to the, the 49ers for, I think, a season that only played a handful of games and then was just bounced out of the league. So a lot of people kind of forget about him, but in his couple years there in uh, in Oakland, man, he was as good as it gets. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's. But, uh, I think that kind of kind of sums up everything for today. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, thanks for everyone for tuning in. I know that was a little longer and stuff, but. If you if you made it till the end, definitely appreciate you. Yep. And uh, don't forget to hit those bell icons and get notified when new episodes drop. Go Raiders. And Skull Vikes. Thank you for listening to our episode. Be sure to give us a follow on Instagram and X at Naptime Sports Talk Podcast for content related to the pod. Thank you for the support.